0: You know, we've been, um, I was thinking about the year, how we've been, as a church, been doing so many different outreaches. So you think of the, all the things that we've done so far. So we've had John Meller come along, we had some healing meetings, um, we've had the fashion parade, we've had a number of guest speakers, so we had John Partington, Aaron Partington. The first term in the life of our church was very, very busy, and we did prayer and fasting. Do you remember that? Yes. Some people trying to forget it. But we, you know, some of us actually did a full fast, some people did a partial fast and then I was thinking about our theme for the year which of course comes from uh, Psalms where it says, May the favour of the Lord rest on us and may he bless the work of our hands. And I don't know if you've realised but since we actually went through a time of prayer and fasting, there's some people who really, well, we we sort of feel like they're in the trenches. Things have gone wrong, there's been some struggles in their lives, some people have got sick, some people are uh, sort of facing different crises and and problems and struggles and physical pain and and all sorts of things we've heard about as a leadership team. And, you know, this week I I was actually going to share a a totally different message but in in the midst of actually writing that one I, I was going to share, I felt the Lord say to me this phrase... Where is God's favour in times of crisis? Because we ask that question, don't we? Now look, I, you know, I know some of the stories of the people who are, you know, some of us who are sitting here this morning, and I don't know everybody personally, but I've really felt in my heart to, to just share some of the things that I've learned through going times of crisis and how it connects to my relationship to God. What, what do I need to do when I feel like I don't have God's favour? because you know when you're in a trench when you feel like you're really in the trenches to use a, a sort of a, an imagery that we understand you know like you're a soldier you're stuck in a trench you're under pressure the conditions inside the trench are horrible you can't get out of the trench you can't move forward you know there's you know in literal trenches um, you know there's mud there's blood there's it rains there's not a lot of hope while you're stuck in a trench but we really feel that God's going to bring some breakthrough in the next few months for a number of people and for us as a church. It's not that we're not moving forward as a church, but I just really want to minister and speak into this whole concept. If we have God's favour, which we, we know we do through Jesus Christ, we celebrated communion. If we have God's favour, when we're in the midst of hardship and trial, it feels like we don't have God's favour. We actually feel like, God is in the distance or is far away from us and so where is the favour of God in times of crisis? So you know a couple of verses came to mind and this, is, this won't come on the screen, I was just thinking you know in, in Hebrews it has this um, phrase that says don't throw away your confidence and the writer who wrote Hebrews which probably wasn't Paul but they don't know who wrote it but it's dealing with actually endurance, the the idea of when you're under pressure and when you're suffering for all sorts of different reasons and certainly in, in their scenario, part of their suffering was suffering for their belief in Jesus. But he uses this phrase in, in Hebrews 10.35, don't throw away your confidence in God. Amen. Don't throw it away. But sometimes we feel like we have no other option or we feel like oh, I've got no confidence. And I want to try and... Now just to open up the, I suppose, allow the Lord to do some ministry here this morning about not letting our confidence get crushed and drained out of us that we discard it. Now if, if we could, you know, I, in some ways I wish that we could have a, an open dialogue like actually you ask me questions and, and me respond to some of it because you would all have your own stories where you've almost given up your relationship with God. Most people go through those challenges or you'll know somebody who's going through it or has gone through it and actually are no longer, good, they, would, they wouldn't call themselves a Christian, they're not coming to a church, they're, they've thrown away their confidence. Now the thing about confidence for me is that it's not based on my, it's not, it doesn't come out of my mind or my human heart. My confidence is based in I know who God is. So in the midst, it's not that I am exempt from going through suffering, trials, crisis, but in the midst of it, I know who God is. And so, you know, again, I really want to sort of minister into that this morning and hope that you find some encouragement for your situation or scenario because my my confidence is based in my faithful God, not in how I feel or my current circumstance, whether they're good or bad. So I believe God will never let me down. It doesn't mean I always feel his presence or it doesn't mean I don't struggle to connect with him. You know, sometimes when you're under pressure or you're in pain or you're suffering, even just trying to actually have a conversation with God is quite difficult because we feel he's so far away. And that's, that's, the, that's the human side of our emotions where we feel like there's a wedge between us and God or a wall between us and God. But God's favour is consistent. And so I, I want to tell you a little bit of my personal journey and, and some of Sue's story about where, you know, the, some of the crises we've been through and what did we learn. So, you know, this is very personal in terms of not so much a, a sermon, if you like. I thought about it. I pulled out all my books that talk about suffering and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I've read a lot of stuff on it. I've taught on it over the years. But you know what? From, as I was reading through, you know, some great theological points, they don't help me. Because I need God to show up. I don't. You know. You know when some other well-meaning Christian comes up to you, and you're in the. You're almost at breaking point. You don't even know how you're going to get through the next few minutes, let alone the next day. And some well-meaning Christian comes up and they quote some verse at you, or and it, it can feel really hollow, can't it? Their intentions are good. Um, and the other thing is, we've probably all done it. That's the other thing, right? But it, it's not. You don't need a theological discourse on why is there evil in the world and why does God allow suffering. We're in the middle of suffering. You certainly need to understand some of the theological and the biblical points on why it does happen. But when you're in the midst of it, it's the last thing you need to hear. Because what I've found, and I, I hope this resonates with all of us here, what I need the most is I need a touch from God. I need to hear his voice. I don't need some, some great theologian coming on and saying, well, you know, the Lord you know, allows evil, he's got a plan and eventually there'll be no more tears, you know, it says in Revelation. We've all heard those talks, sermons, and again, I'm not, I'm not disparaging them, but when you're in pain, you don't want to hear it. What you need is an embrace, don't you? You need, you need God to actually speak into your life for what's happening right now in that moment. You don't need a lecture on good theology. And so um, I sort of threw, I put my books back on my shelf <laughs> and I, th- I just felt God say, just tell them what you know and from my own personal experience. So you now some of you know Sue and I very well. We, we've been in other churches together and you know some of you don't know us. But Sue and I have been through a number of crises, some very private um, where most of you would never know. Some were public where some of you know our stories because we have shared stories. Um, some of our journeys, and you are part of those journeys as well. So I just want to quickly sh- tell you, we, we had two, we had a number of things happen in a recent crisis we went through where we, we really didn't see any light at the end of the tunnel. We were struggling to get through the day. We had no income. We didn't know where we were going to fellowship in a church. I mean, things, it couldn't have got any darker in a, in, in some sense. And I want to share with you, I got Sue's permission to tell a little bit of um what you know we sort of talked together about what did we learn and so we had a couple of verses that God really used you know when God speaks to you you know sometimes you can you can open the Bible and all of a sudden something really jumps out at you like it really the spirit really does take it and make it personal it's no longer a spiritual abstract truth the trouble with some spiritual truths if they they don't get in, that truth doesn't invade your everyday life ordinary suffering lives then it's just abstract It might mean something to somebody else but it doesn't mean anything to me it, the truth of God actually wants to come into your normal everyday current circumstance and minister life back into your soul I mean as Lockie was saying where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom we have a we have a life-giving Holy Spirit he brings life not death he speaks life, he brings healing, he ministers, he he resurrects, he encourages, he girds. It doesn't always change the circumstances. In fact, very rarely are we immediately liberated from our suffering. And again, there's a whole lot of theological reasons. I'm not going to share them with you today. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of the story because we found a couple of verses. In fact, um, just why don't you come up and tell the story. She hates coming up, but... Come on, Sue. Give her a hand. She. We were. We were. Um, one thing that did happen to sort of set the scene. We were did a little bit of travel when we were in this crisis. We went and saw some friends. So Sue's brother and his her, his family live in America. And we went and saw them, but then we had some friends that I'd known for thirty years through ministry. And we wanted to see them. We hadn't seen them for a long, long time, like, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. And so we flew into Nashville and spent some time with them. And they're a bit, bit like a, for the father and mother, spiritual figure in our lives. And so we spent, I think, about a week with them. And it was actually, we were about to leave, spending a week with them. And the Lord didn't speak through them to us. He spoke to Sue when she went to the bathroom at the airport.
1: So while we were with this couple, they had been through uh, really hard times because they'd been in in ministry all their lives in America. Um, They really encouraged us and lifted us up and prayed for us. And so I felt really good while I was with them. But when they left us at the airport, it just sort of hit me. I said to the Lord, I was actually in the toilet in the airport, and I said to the Lord... It's been so good this last week, I felt so lifted up and um, it was just amazing after what we'd been through. And I said, Lord, how am I gonna keep going and and go back to Australia and go back to um, our life? And I walked out of the toilet and there was these bits of paper and they were verses. It was unbelievable, somebody had printed them off and put them in the toilet at the airport And I came out to Greg going, look at this. The Lord's spoken to me in a very unusual way. And you've got the verses, haven't
0: you? Yeah, thank you. Give her a hand. She doesn't like coming up. So we're not, you can't make that stuff up, can you? You just can't make it up. That's a true story. And so to think that someone we've never met, they don't know our story, but obviously they they printed off a chunk of them and, you know, they're only about that big bits of paper and they had two verses on them. And the first one, go to the next slide, thanks, Jonathan. The first one is actually the one I really want to use today. And it's out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, where it says, And now just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for every for each day's problems. <laughs> you couldn't get more direct than that, could you? And here's, here's our struggle. I think. If we expect God to prevent us from experiencing trials, suffering, physical pain, injustice, people accusing us of things when it's not right, family members, you know, also I mean all sorts of stories, physical illness, if we if we think Christianity is linked or dependent that God should actually protect us from all of that stuff because we follow him, we ha- we, ha- we our expectations are not real. Because What this verse tells me is, just as I came to faith in the first place, the very first time I decided to follow Jesus and to commit my life to his way of living, his teaching of how to get through life, then that simple trust, just as I came to Christ in the first place, I have to use that trust when I'm in the heat of a crisis. Because for me, this is what the issue was. I'm not following Jesus because he can instantly deliver or protect me from everything that's unpleasant and difficult. That's very shallow. If you follow Jesus for that reason, again, your expectations are nowhere near reality. And God never promises that. But I follow Jesus not because of what he can give me every time I demand something from him, but I follow Jesus because I know who he is. That's the difference. I know he loves me. And so even in the midst of my suffering, if I stay close to his embrace, if I'm still intimate with my God, and instead of... we you know, some people blame God, don't they? So here's the first thing that we did. Go to the next slide. Thanks, Jonathan. And, and Sue, Sue helped me put, put this together. We sat down and we listed a number of things. We didn't blame God for what was happening. Now it's tempting to blame God because again, theologically we think well, he's in control of the universe, he could prevent things, he could stop things, he could intervene all that's true but here's a principle here though, I want you to understand that if we blame God, we take our or we put our focus onto the problem and we give it more energy and life than it deserves. That's what we do. We take our focus off God. So we didn't stop going to church. We 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 never had an argument with God. We certainly cried out to him. We asked him to deliver us as we as you do, to help us as you do. We you know it's not that we didn't we didn't ask those questions, but we didn't say, Why are you letting this happen? Now here's what I've learned about the why question. Even if God answered you why it would happen, you always have a second question of another why. So I don't think I don't think God giving us the why answer is actually the solution to our problems in the midst of our suffering. The answer is actually knowing he's right here with me and feeling that hearing his voice, having him minister and strengthen me, to encourage me and to lift me up. He doesn't have to explain himself to me. But sometimes I think we th- we think that he should or we almost demand it. And it, and look, look, you can read the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms is David and the other writers crying out in pain and, and for good reason, actually asking God to deliver and save them. But they always finish with a praise because of who God is. Not depend. You don't, we don't stop connecting with our God because we're in suffering and we think it's unfair. That's, that's not, well, that's shallow in, in, in one way. So, so even though Sue and I were, were traumatised, we were spent, we were suffering, we weren't sure what we're coming back to, we never blame God because we did not see our current pain as a reflection on whether God loved us or not. I know God loves me. Because of all the years that I've been following him and my relationship with him, that's what sustains me. And so it's not, it's not as if I don't have God's favour. Why would I withdraw from the only being that can actually help me? You think about that, why would I actually take myself out of God's family or out of relationship with him or stop going to church in the midst of my suffering when he's the only one that unconditionally loves me and cares for me and could actually intervene at any second. And instead of excluding myself, I have to draw more and more close to him in the midst of it. And again, not because of what he can give me in the middle of it, but because of who he's already shown himself to be. that That's how I see it. So just as we've trusted Christ to save us, now, too, for each day's problem, trust him. That, that, that was, for me, that was one of the, the key things. Here's the second thing we did, the next slide. Thanks, Jonathan. It's really related to the first one. We, we stayed the course. It's the best phrase I could come up with. We kept going to church. We kept praying together. We'd read the Bible. We, 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 My discipleship wasn't based on how I was feeling at the time. It was, you know, to me, I sort of, again, going through a number of crises like we all have, I knew things were going to change at some point. But if I give up and if I quit, then I'm taking myself out of the arena in which God wants to actually direct and bless me. And so it's not a reflection on whether I have God's favour or not. I want to stay the course. Don't spit the dummy. We didn't do that. It's hard, though. I mean, sometimes you not only want to spit the dummy, you want to grab a hundred thousand of them and throw them at everybody, <laughs> right? So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not glazing over that it's not emotionally easy. It's hard. But if you throw in the towel, you exclude yourself from actually the moment that God might. He's planning to speak to you, planning to minister to you, planning to actually lift you up, planning to actually rescue you. So don't exclude yourself. You've got to stay the course. We're we're disciples, we're on a pathway of maturity and growth with God, both when things are great and when things are horrible. We are on that same path no matter what. And so you have to stay the course. I made the commitment to follow Jesus when I became a Christian, so why would my suffering call that commitment into question? It's like in a, any relationship, you know, I have a relationship with my family. I've got a, in my, in my language, I use the word covenant. I have a covenant with my wife. So if we're not getting on, I don't just quit. Because in, in my understanding of marriage, I've, I've committed to her no matter what. And so it's the same thing. I've got a covenant with God. He he created a covenant with me. I need Him. I don't always hear His voice. I don't always understand what's going on. But if I don't stay the course, I'm excluding myself. I'm jumping off the vine. And so, even in the midst of not hearing, not knowing, not understanding, and being in intense pain, stay the course. Keep going to church. Keep connecting with other Christians. And help each other we've got we've got to help one another in the midst of our suffering and trials here's the next one just looking at the time so the next one is we strayed strong together now this is I think there's a principle here the more I I, I was thinking and praying about this point you know when you're under extreme pressure it might be at work or you, you could be suffering for some particular reason whatever it is then you go home So whether you're married or not married, this principle is still true. You go home to the people that are closest to you, that know you the most, and because of the stress and the anxiety that you're feeling, they cop it. And we have to be very, very careful that we don't take it out on other people who are actually in our lives to support and encourage us in times of crisis. And particularly when people actually share our pain, understand us the most, have got our back more than anybody else. We don't have to explain everything to when we are suffering because they're right there in the midst of it with us. And yet sometimes I think what happens, and I can only relate from my personal experience as someone who is married, is sometimes we we have to guard ourselves of not letting that stress impact our closeness as a couple. In fact, we need to protect and gird it under extreme pressure You have to reinvest in your relationship and your love for your spouse and for your children. That that includes your your children. We had teenage children at the time of this story. And we we made sure as much as we could, as humanly possible, that we were going to treat each other with absolute love and dignity because they were the people that could actually support us. And we weren't going to allow this whole thing of the stress entering in the home to disrupt our relationship. And that became a really good rock for us a really good stable rock so whoever's in your life who plays those roles I don't think it really matters whether you're married or single we all live with people who fully understand us and if you if you turn on each other because of the pain you're actually creating another problem you're going to have to resolve when really you should be girding and protecting and ministering one to another just as the way you live together and the way you speak to one another, the way you treat each other. So for me, I saw God has given me Sue as one of my greatest strengths. So i was not about to turn on that and my children. And so when when one was down, the other one was up. And of course, vice versa. You know, when I went down and, and she was up, she could help me and vice versa. So you've got to protect the relationships that you've got that are very close and intimate and actually provide you with the human support that you need. Here's, Here's the next one, number four. We released our grief. I think all forms of suffering, now, you know, physical pain, I live with physical pain, whether it's, you know, losing a job, losing an income, whether it's losing the death of a loved one suddenly, all pain and suffering that we experience includes grief because you lose something. Grief is loss. And I think my experience in church life over 30 years, some churches, it's like this unwritten rule that if you express grief, you're not being spiritual enough. You know the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And so God created us with feelings and emotions and you have to express how you feel about the thing that's going on. Now, you certainly can't be nasty and vindictive because that's a different thing. But I'm talking about expressing again with people that you know, trust and love that you actually can get some of those feelings out of your system. If and Now, speaking as again just from my own experience, if you bottle them up and don't get to actually share them, then they come out in other ways. It's a bit like you, know, you have a, a balloon that's blown up and tied up you put pressure on one side of it, it pushes out the other side. And there's nothing spiritual about covering up your feelings. And again, there's, you know, if we had time and could have an open dialogue, there's hundreds of scriptures where people express their anger, upset, resentment towards God. God didn't strike them dead in the Bible. And yet for some reason in Western Christianity, we, we've, this thing sort of can creep into church culture where it's irreverent. And I think sometimes it's our uncomfortability. We don't know how to help somebody who expresses that depth of sorrow and grief. And so we have to understand, this works both ways as well. When, when, when I'm grieving, I need your help. When you're grieving, you need my help. You don't need my glib answers or to me to be turning to super spiritual you know, teacher Greg. You just need presence. You need someone to be with you who understands you. But you've got to get it out. Jesus himself said, blessed are those who mourn. Because why? They'll be comforted. Mourning and comfort go, go hand in hand. So you have to release your grief. Then the, the fifth one, go to the next one. Thanks, Jonathan. We sought help from other people. That's it's not always easy doing this. Now, we did a couple of things. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be as practical as I can. We did a couple of things. So we had a number of people in our lives that we were very close to uh, in fact, Melinda, the one you saw on the Alpha video, she was one of the people we went and sought out and spoke to at length. Actually, num- not just once, many times. So I think you have to see- seek out people who you know are spiritually mature, um, they've got wisdom, and they're going to support you. They're not going to judge you, even if you crack up or you can't control what you say or you let it all out, whatever it is. But don't you can't just tell anybody. Because, you know, some people don't know what to do with it. And so you you have to exercise a little bit of wisdom on going to the right person, but you have to to hear wisdom of other people. You have to get counsel and advice from those that you know love you and that you trust, that they'll keep your confidence and encourage and and walk through the journey with you. The other thing we did is we actually went and saw a professional counsellor that helped us debrief and work through some stuff. And that's another... Very important avenue to pursue if you feel you need it because human wisdom is not contained just in our close family and friends. And there are, there's, there's, you know, the human existence over the centuries has built up wisdom on key strategies of how to get us through certain situations. And so don't be afraid to seek out professional help of a counsellor that you need and again, it works the, all these things work the other way. We can help other people in our world who are Christians, who are suffering and going through a difficult time as well. Here's the last one. We had to remove our anger and bitterness. You know, in, um, again, in, in Hebrews 12, verse 15, it says, don't let a bitter root take place in your life because it produces a poison fruit. And so, one of, one of the troubles is when, when other people are involved in causing you crisis. It you get your first emotion often is anger, but then you can become quite bitter. And what I found, again, just talking for myself, if I focus on someone should tell them, someone's got to put it right. How can they get away with this? What happens is it changes my spirit, and it becomes very self-focused and selfish. In fact, I remember um, some well-meaning Christians coming to see us, wanting to know what was happening, how we were coping, some people that we sort of knew. And I found if I started telling them the story, I felt like I was justifying myself. And so I just stopped. I, st- I stopped. I just look, we're, you know, it's a struggle, but we've got some support. Appreciate your concern. Because I could hear myself. You know, sometimes when you hear yourself, even though my intent was good, that sometimes you just think, well, you know, you get that feeling you can't win. (laughs) If you do tell someone else who's genuinely trying to help you all the gory details, often they'll, you you can see it in their eyes, they're thinking, oh, yeah, this is probably only half the story. You know, if I spoke to the other people, it would be a different story, which I probably would. But I just found, you know, if I didn't let, if I let my anger turn to bitterness and I became vindictive, then I wasn't carrying the spirit of Christ. And, you know, does, does everything just fall into place because you do the right thing? No. But here's the thing, what I find. God's more interested in my response when it comes to me. He's, he, I'm not accountable for what someone else says, does, but I am accountable for my response to what happens to me. And I, 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 I'm going to finish with this phrase. I felt that my character was more important to God than any words I could use to explain to someone what was going on. And so, I, you know, it's, again, it's not easy. I had to work it out. It's not instant. I haven't got six easy steps to get rid of your anger when you're mistreated. There are no easy steps. You've got to process it. But if you let it take root, it will grow and change you in a way where you stunt your own mature growth, and you are accountable for that. Can't control the behaviour of other people, but you can control your response. And this this is this is the this is the real everyday walking as a disciple of Jesus. The reason that we came and worshipped this morning together collectively is because we wanna we wanna unpack how do we get through life and how does God help us. We don't want to sit. With any of this stuff, being angry with God or not letting our grief out or blaming others or or you know becoming angry and bitter and twisted. We probably all know people like that. And it doesn't doesn't change the other person who's harmed them, it changes them for the worst. And this is real discipleship, where my character, God is very interested in my character, and if my character doesn't reflect the Christ that I'm following and trying to be transformed by, then I'm responsible for that no matter what happens to me, no matter what trauma, what tragedy, what injustice I've suffered or that you've suffered. We're responsible for who we are as we follow Jesus. And so I, we didn't badmouth people. We wanted to and we felt we were justified if we, if we opened our mouth. But it, 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 I just felt my, my heart was getting changed in a negative way and I just had to close my mouth. And again, just ask God to, to heal and help me. I think the more you blame other people for what's happening, the more sort of power you give the whole thing. And there really something about focusing on your own character. Amen. So here's what I want to... I'm, I'm going to close now and I just want to do this. If you feel like you're in the trenches, I want you to respond. If you want prayer, why don't we all stand up together? Because I know that there's been many stories of struggle and suffering. And now go back to Colossians 2 verse 6. We trust God not just to save us. We trust Jesus not just to save us from the penalty of our sin. But we, our trust is in him in the midst of our everyday problem and in a crisis. We haven't lost God's favour. Don't equate God's favour as being visible just because everything is going well and, you know, things are successful or you feel like there is no problem in your life. God's favour is not measured against that. God's favour is measured against the fact that he's led us into his kingdom and that he has given us Jesus Christ to be with us no matter what life brings our way. That's the favour of God. God doesn't remove his favour on and off. We, In fact, you know, in 1 Peter, it says God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We already have it through Jesus Christ and the spirit of the living God. And so if you feel like you're in the trenches, if you feel you're up against it, we, we, we want to do some ministry. So why don't you come forward? It doesn't really matter what the story is, what your, your crisis is, whether it's physical pain or whether it's some turmoil, you're being mistreated or something unjust has happened. Just come forward right now. I'm going to close the service, but I'm going to stand and pray with anybody who wants ministry. I feel there's a few other people. Just come out. Absolutely no shame. No one's exempt from suffering. Nobody. Here's the crazy thing. Which, which I think most Christians forget. Our whole religion is built on the unjust suffering of one man. So this is, this, is, <laughs> this is the kingdom of God. How do we respond in our suffering? Jesus set the path for us. He gave us the example. And yes, sometimes God will deliver you instantaneously. He will. And other times, He's going to send His presence. He's going to speak to you. And he's going to ask you to develop a little bit more character as you walk through it, but he's never going to leave you. He doesn't condemn us. And that's, you know, they're the things that I found going through my crisis. Let me pray and I'll finish this. And then can I ask the, the ministry team to come and pray as well? So just, I just feel to finish on a, you're not going to sing another song or anything. Father God, every single one of us is faced with a dilemma of how we respond in the midst of incredible suffering trials, trauma and I just thank you that I can I can actually walk through my pain with you right there and I don't leave you, I don't, I don't blame you but in fact I, I, I listen for your voice, I hunger for you to speak and to encourage and to strengthen, for you to minister into my very sorrow because I just think of your word Lord where it says you're close to those who are crushed in spirit, who are broken hearted. That's who you are. That's why we follow you. Not, not just to instantly escape us from our suffering, but to actually know that you're fortifying us from the inside and you'll never leave us in the midst of any trial. So Lord, I just pray right now for all of us, not just those who have responded to to hear from you right now but for every single person that's here this morning we none of us know what the week holds but Lord we know who you are and regardless of what happens right now today or what could happen tomorrow or later in the week we're going to follow you no matter what because of who you are you are faithful to us you are victorious in our lives and Father I just pray that your spirit would minister life to all of us this week in thinking of that verse That just as we trusted you to save us, we'll also trust you with our everyday difficulties. And Lord, I just thank you that the devil will not have a foothold in our thinking, in our behaviour. That we turn against you or blame you. We will not let the enemy devalue the power of the cross and the work of your spirit in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And I declare that, Lord, over every single one of us, that we will stand firm no matter what comes our way because we know who you are, a loving, caring, grace-filled God that is with us every moment, every